Good morning and welcome. I greet you in the wonderful and the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm so uh, glad that I get to preach what is going to be the final, the seventh message in our Babylon series today. But before we get there, I do want to just recognize what today is. In South Africa, today is Father's Day. And I wish that I could just greet you in all sincerity and say, Happy Father's Day. I wish it was as simple as that, but I don't feel it is today. Now I know that there are many good dads, there are many godly dads, there are great dads out there, and I, I want to say I don't want to in any way rob your family celebrating you today. However, I do believe that even good godly dads need to pause and to consider what it means to be a man in South Africa at this time. Because as Father's Day has coincided with such a wave of horrific news, names of women who have been horrifically murdered, we need to consider how these crimes against women, the, 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 the torrent of crimes against women and the abuse of women, the treatment, the mistreatment of women is somehow connected to fatherhood. It's not the only factor, but for all the men who are committing these horrific crimes in our country, it says something about the failure of fathers to raise their sons, to raise young men into men who value and respect and cherish women. And so for me, what's happening in the media and in our country with regard to violence against women is deeply connected to Father's Day and what it means to be a father. You know, sometimes we hear the, the names, we see the photos of, of women who've been murdered horrifically or uh, mistreated horrifically in some way. And for a period of time, their, their names and their faces are, are in our public collective consciousness because of what has just happened, only to slip away. But the simple statistics of our country tell you that such individual stories, although horrific, they don't tell the whole story. Because it's not just isolated incidents. Friends, do you know that in South Africa, the statistics will tell us that women are murdered by men. Women who are murdered by men. It's our statistics are five times higher than the global average. Five times higher. We are five times more violent. Men in South Africa are five times more violent towards women than the global average. We should be appalled. We should be ashamed. We should be shocked. Friends, there's so much. Those statistics tell you that there is so much violence and abuse and mistreatment of women that if every case was reported, it, it simply, there wouldn't be space for other news and you would be numbed by it. 51% in South Africa of women who are in a relationship or have been in a relationship have had violence and abuse against them from their partner who they were in the relationship with. Friends, the names of a few women can sometimes make you feel like it's isolated. But the true story is that we have a pandemic of violence 
against women committed by men in our country. And so to all the good and godly men, to the fathers of children and wives who say they've been blessed by them, I want to say well done. Well done for not contributing to the current horrible situation we are seeing in our country. But I do also want to challenge you and I want to call you on this Father's Day to make it your responsibility and my responsibility, to make it our responsibility as men who want to serve Jesus and serve our wives and serve our children. I want to make it your responsibility to not just make sure you're a good dad, but to make sure that the statistics in our nation change. After all, violence against women can only continue in a society, in a community that is quiet, that is silent, and that is apathetic about abuse by men towards women. Friends, dads, men, when we are silent, when we look the other way, when we know of or hear of abuse or violence being committed to a woman, maybe because we think it's a private matter or it's a personal thing or it's a family matter and it would be inappropriate to involve yourself, when we do not speak out, we have become complicit in some way with that violence that's been committed to that woman. The violence that is committed daily in homes, in neighborhoods, in communities, and in our nation. And so I want to implore you as a man to not simply make sure that you're being a good dad, but to decide today that you're going to do more than that. You refuse to remain silent, but that you are going to take responsibility to see this changed in our neighborhoods and in our community. And so this Father's Day, celebrations are muted for me. They've been tainted by the realities that we've been facing in the, me in the media as a nation. And because of this uh, uh, situation that we have in our nation, there is a real focus on the absence of fathers in many people's lives. The, the, the statistics will tell you that, that seven out of ten children in our nation are raised without their father at home. Millions of girls and boys in our country because their fathers have abandoned them and left their mothers, because of that, they are raised without fathers. And some of the crisis that we're seeing about violence of men to women is directly related to this. Other millions of uh, girls and boys, if their dad is at home, he's not a godly, righteous influence. And he's not molding young girls in his household to know that they are valued and loved and cherished and protected and important. And, and those dads, many of them are also not shaping the young boys in those homes to see all the women in their life as of equal value to them. People to be loved and cherished and protected and to be treated as their equals. And so I want to call good, godly, Christ-following men to take a stand. I want to call you to, to pay attention to what's happening around you and to stand. I want to call you to repent. Of If you feel this is right, I want to call you to repent 
of not having done enough to be the change in our communities. I want to call you to repent of ever saying yourself or not stopping others from saying anything that is degrading towards women. And I want you to know if you're a man and if today your heart is churning because you know that you've mistreated women or a woman, I want you to know that if you riddled with guilt today, I want you to know that you can repent. You can say, Jesus, I have done that. I want you to acknowledge your sin. And I want to invite you to run into the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ so that you can be forgiven of your sin and that God could begin to put you back together again and God could lead you to maybe be involved in the healing of those that you've hurt or to make restitution in some sort of way. I pray that this would happen even today. In light of all of these things, some of the men of Rec Road Church prayed on Wednesday and repented of, of things and repented of what's happening by men in our nation. And some of the men of Rec Road Church decided to make this following statement. And so let's hear from them. Right. I, Pumlani, take a responsibility to rid our land of all forms of abuse against women. I, Keegan, take full responsibility to rid our lands of all forms of abuse against women. I, Eric, I take responsibility to rid our country of all forms of uh, abuse against uh, women. Hi, I'm David Msomi. I take a full responsibility to get rid of women abuse in our country. Men stand up and be a real man. I take responsibility to rid our land of all forms of abuse against women. I, Samuel Burley, take full responsibility to rid all forms of abuse against women in our land. I, Nganga, take full responsibility to rid our land of all forms of abuse against all women. I, Tom, take responsibility to rid our land of all forms of abuse against women. I take responsibility to rid our land of all forms of abuse against women. I, Gary Schreiner, commit myself to get rid of all forms of abuse against women in this country. I, Mtutuzi, take responsibility to rid our land of all forms of abuse against women. I, Dogozo Nkize, take responsibility to rid our land of all form of violence against women. I, Luke, take full responsibility to rid the land of all forms of abuse against all women. I, Gareth, take the responsibility to rid our land of all abuse against women. I, Prince Blom, take full responsibility of ridding our land of all forms of abuse against women. My name is Charles. I take responsibility to rid our land of all forms of abuse against women. Victor, take responsibility to rid our land of all forms of abuse against women. I, Donrich, take responsibility to fight abuse against women in our land. I personally feel it's not right to see any woman to be abused on this earth.
Mina sibong senda mene ngeazbo peze la ukaita ezo nletu Lonku shobo lukusu unyezwa olpe kiswe kubantu besifazani Responsibility to rid our land of all forms of abuse against women Ay mkanyiso, take responsibility to rid our land of all forms of abuse against all women I take responsibility to rid our land of all forms of abuse against women I Dilimon take responsibility to rid our land of all forms of abuse against women. Enough is enough. Let us stand together and fight this. God bless you. My name is Andre and I hereby pledge that I will respect every woman as equal. I will also not commit or condone any abuse against women. I will take action against any violence or abuse of women that I become aware of and I will be the change in my community. I will raise awareness amongst other men and disciple younger males to live this way. Take responsibility to rid our land of all forms of abuse against all women. Thank you for all those men who were willing to stand and to make that statement. The men on this video also committed themselves to the following five uh, pledges. They pledged to say the following five things. Firstly, I respect every woman's God-given value as my equal. Secondly, I will not commit or condone any verbal, emotional, sexual, or physical abuse against any woman. Thirdly, I will take action. I will not just speak out, but I will take action against injustice, abuse, or violence against any woman. Fourthly, I will be the change. I'll be the change in my home, in my church, in my community, and in my country to see women honored, valued, and protected and fifthly i will raise awareness amongst other men and disciple younger males to disciple not just our own sons but to disciple younger males to live in this godly way if you're a man and you haven't made that statement yet i want to urge you to make that statement maybe to women in your life to pray before god and to make those five pledges and to not just say them, but to do them. You know, as godly men, every woman in our church has one of four possible relationships to us as men of differing ages. These are the four possible relationships God's given us with women. The women around us are either our mothers in Christ. They're older than us, and so they deserve to be treated as women of respect just like you would respect your mom and you ought to respect your mom, you should treat any woman who's older than you as a mother. You should lovingly listen and care and provide and protect. And that's how you should relate to them. Secondly, some of you have a wife. And that's God's grace gift to you. She is precious. She is God's daughter and you are to cherish her you are to love her you are to lay your life down for her you are to be her servants just like jesus laid his life down for the church if you've been given a wife you have been given by god a precious gift that you are responsible 
to steward and to love and to care for and to see her blossom and flourish into all that God's got for her. If you're a man, you either have mothers in Christ, you might have a wife that God has given you, or you have many sisters in Christ, people of a similar age to you, people that you have a fam family bond to. They're your sisters in Christ. They are women of value. They are women to be encouraged and uplifted and protected and listened to. And they are to be women who feel safe and secure around you because you're their brother. And lastly, there are some younger women much younger than you, who are like daughters in Christ, or much younger sisters, or your own daughters, and you're to look after them in another special way. You're to really care for them. You're to be, you're to be watchful over them, and to, to respect and honor them, and to create safe environments for them. Men, I want to urge you, I call you to really see the different relationships that God has given you with women in the church, and to work out how to relate to them in all godliness and holiness in a way that honors them and respects them and gives them incredible value. I also want to call us as a church. We've called these men to make this stand, but I want to call us as a whole church to fast and to pray into this situation of violence by men against women. This week on Thursday, we're calling one day of prayer and fasting. And so we want to ask you to, to, to join with us on that day, to fast with us and to pray with us. We'll uh, send out details of a special WhatsApp prayer meeting in the morning, a WhatsApp prayer meeting in the evening. And we're going to have an in-person prayer meeting at lunchtime for those who can make it um, at our church building. And so we'll send details to you. But we want to call you as a church men and women, to pray at this moment for our nation regarding these things. Fathers, males, I charge you to be men. This Father's Day, I charge you to be godly men and godly fathers and to be the change in our church and our community, to model true manhood that was epitomized by our Savior, Jesus, who laid down his life to serve his bride, the church. May we be like him. May we lay down our lives. May we lay down our preferences to serve the women that God has given us godly relationships with, these four relationships we've looked at. Whether they are our mothers in Christ, whether they are our wives, whether they are our sisters in Christ or whether they are our own daughters or much younger sisters in Christ. I want to just pause and pray before I begin to preach. Father God, this Father's Day, we do celebrate those who are godly dads and godly fathers. But Father God, we also grieve like we know you are grieving over the terrible atrocities being committed daily in our nation against women by men. And Father, I pray that today you would speak to us personally as men in particular, that Lord, you would 
encourage women and strengthen women. You'd help women who are maybe in an abusive situation to reach out for help and to find it in your church. Lord, I pray that as we gather to pray, Lord, that you would keep speaking to us, Holy Spirit. You'd sensitize us with what is on your heart and you'd help us to know what ought we to do, not just in our lives, but to make a difference in our nation. We ask this in the wonderful name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Thank you so much for giving the time for us to consider these matters. Let's transition now to our final message in our series, Babylon. Through this series, as we bring it to a conclusion today, we've been looking at uh, the, the question of how can we live as devoted exiles of God in this present age? How do we live as people who are citizens of the kingdom of heaven here in the present? How do we live in this present time? And so today we're going to be looking at a, a passage from 1 Peter chapter 1 uh, to uh, verse 19. A long passage of scripture which I want to read through with you and just make some short applications because of shortness of time. This passage is a passage that directly relates to the very things we've just been talking about where our world is experiencing something around manhood and, and violence and, and, and how women are treated and we're to live different. We're to live the way that God has called us to live. And so there's direct application even in our passage today. So our passage today in Peter, Peter is addressing believers who are in what we would call modern day Turkey. And he addresses them as God's elect exiles. He, that's a tag he gives to them. He's reminding them that, that they are gods and that they are exiles in this present Age. And he is then writing to them and urging them how they ought to live. So it's such an important uh, passage for us as we bring this series to a close. Let's read together from verse 1. It says this in verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Christ Jesus, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge, so they're elect exiles according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus and for sprinkling with his blood. What do we see here in these opening lines of this letter to these exiles? What we see is identity. He, right from the start, is speaking about knowing who you are and knowing whose you are. And so as he writes to them, he's really laying such an important life foundation. It is so important for you and I to really know who we are. It's such a powerful current uh, theme in, in popular culture. The whole theme of identity and knowing who you are. Who really am I is a, is a modern question that people are grappling with. And friend... Brother and sister, I want you to know this, that if you've put your faith in Jesus, the Bible teaches you, and this passage teaches you, that you were chosen by God. He literally chose you. God determined, we see in verse 2, 
He determined, he had a foreknowledge, he knew what he was going to do, and he decided to elect you, he decided to choose you. Why? Because he decided to fix his love on you. He decided to pour his love into your life and to establish a relationship with him. And so what that means is that if you have believed in Jesus, or if you will believe in Jesus, you will be, you are loved by God, you are chosen, you are precious to God, and, and He loves you with a love that is everlasting. And if you know that, if that is the foundation of your life, it changes absolutely everything in your life. It gives you security and confidence to engage with this present world that we live in in a totally different way. I want you to see how this passage actually shows us in verse 2 that but the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, all of them were involved in your salvation, in your choosing and my choosing, in saving us, in, rec in rescuing us, and in sanctifying us, in changing us to become more and more like Jesus, so that we reflect the Father who is our Father in heaven. Friends, you are a chosen one of God. This is the foundation of anyone's identity who has put their faith in Jesus Christ. In fact, your being chosen by God, your being a child of God, is your primary identity now if you're a Christ follower. There's lots about identity politics in our world, and even lots of the conversations around race are really conversations around identity. But if you have put your faith in Jesus, your primary identity is that you have become the child of the living God, that you are a chosen, beloved child of God. And so for the Christ follower, all other identities, which aren't erased, but they are definitely secondary to your primary identity, that you have been chosen by God. More than this, our passage tells us that you're a chosen exile, this phrase that we've been looking at for seven messages now. And what this means is that this present world, although we live here, although I have a green ID or a barcoded ID, depending on, on, on whether you're up to date or not, although you live in this world, this world is not truly your home anymore if you've put your faith in Jesus. Yes, we are citizens of the present, but we belong to God. And our hearts long for the day that Jesus will return. And when He returns, He will one day take us to be with Him forever, enjoying unhindered relationship with Him in a new heaven and a new earth, where there will be no more sin, shame, sickness, sadness, death, our real home. That's where you really belong. On that day, you will no longer be in exile. But because of this, because we're exiles in this present age that we live in, in this world that we live in, what that means is that we never feel totally settled and at home in this age, in this world. 
We never feel totally settled. We are never totally at home because this world has been marred. It's been spoiled by sin. And so even today, saying that Father's Day isn't a totally happy Father's Day for me or for you because of the horrific sin that we've witnessed, everything in this world has been spoiled by sin. And so we never feel totally settled and totally at home. And so for the Christian, every single one of us, there is something inside of us that is a feeling that you could liken to homesickness. This longing for another place. When you're not at home, there's this yearning or this longing. I remember my family lived in America for two years and loved the experiences that we were having there. But it wasn't home. It it, there was something yearning for South Africa. Well, that feeling multiplied by a thousand. There is, there is something within the Christ follower that yearns for our true home. Longing to be in our home in eternity with God. In a world and a forever not marred by sin, but being reunited with God in unhindered relationship forever. Friends, this reality, this future hope, that this is the hope and the reality of our future, if we put our faith in Jesus, shapes everything that we do, both now and the present. I'm, I'm not surprised that Peter greets these people as elect exiles, because that knowledge that you are chosen by God and that you belong to God and to another world, changes the way you live in this present world which is what we're going to see let's pick up from verse 3 blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ how appropriate on father's day blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ according to his great mercy he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of jesus from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. On this Father's Day, although we grieve our country's current situation, we can rejoice. If you're a, a Christ follower, we can rejoice that God is the father of everyone who has put their faith in Jesus. And so we can bless God. We can bless our Father in heaven today because He is the good, good Father. He is the perfect one who has loved us with an everlasting, everlasting love. I want to urge you to make your Father in heaven smile today. Why don't you... Just pour out your love to him in prayer sometime today. Thank him for who he is. Bless your Father in heaven. Think about what he's done. What he's caused uh, you. He's caused you to be born again, this passage says in these verses, into a living hope. He's given you life, hope, and a future, all because of Jesus' death and resurrection. So that now, if you have believed in Jesus the Son, you and I have become the sons and the daughters of God Most High. What a privilege we have as children. This is not only who we are, but it's whose we are. We belong to God because He chose us and because Jesus died for us in our place for our sin. 
God hasn't just forgiven us of our sin. God hasn't just established an unbreakable relationship with Him of father and son, father and daughter. God hasn't just done that. This passage goes on to say that God has granted us, your father has granted you, has given you an inheritance that is a number of things. It's imperishable. It, 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 cannot, it cannot fade away. It's unspoilt. It's, it's not tainted by sin in any way. It's, it's not going to erode. It's unfading. And it is kept in heaven for you. Friends, the wonder of salvation is not just the forgiveness of your sin. It's not just the establishment of an incredible relationship uh, with you and God, a life-giving relationship. It, it's not just a, a bit of help for the present. It's an eternal inheritance that's been kept in heaven for you. Something that fixated Peter as he wrote. It, it, it captivated him and it ought to captivate you and I that we have an inheritance to come kept, guarded for you in heaven. Brothers and sisters, if you've put your faith in Jesus, I can say with all confidence that the best is yet to come. The best you've experienced now is nothing compared to the best that is yet to come. You have an inheritance in heaven that is glorious and it's kept for you. If you think salvation is amazing and it is, wait till you see what your Father in heaven has in store for you for eternity. Jesus purchased it on the cross for you and me, and the Father is keeping it in heaven for you. Brothers and sisters in Christ, when we face trials, when life is tough, when there are difficulties, when it feels like this life is just all too much, as often it has felt in the last few days and might feel in the days to come, when you face real trials, Scripture focuses our eyes upwards Scripture tells us to remember that we've been chosen by God, that we have a Father who's in heaven. And Scripture also tells us we have a glorious future. We are exiles in this present world. There are sufferings in this world that will not be ours in our eternal home. And it tells us that we have a glorious future and a glorious inheritance. It's an inheritance that is indescribable, and it's meant to fill you with joy and hope and longing. And it's meant to fortify you in the present. Friends, believers in Jesus, our future is real. It is tangible and it is glorious. It is unsin, uh, untainted by sin, Satan, sorrow and death. We have a glorious future to come. Verse 6 says, In this you rejoice, in these things, in this glorious inheritance that's to come. In this you rejoice, though now... In the present, for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is refined by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him and you rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Wow. 
Friends, even though we struggle in this life at times, we can endure. This passage says, because we know whose we are and because we know the best is yet to come. We can endure because we know that when our faith is tested, when it's put under trials and tests, and when it's proved genuine, that faith that has been proven genuine, that has stood the test of time and the test of trials, it's more valuable than gold. It's more valuable than the most precious thing in this world. It has a value on another level entirely. And so it is possible, even if you're poor in this world, to be rich in God. We are people who are sustained, not purely by joy in our circumstances. We're not joyful because our circumstances are pleasant, but rather we are sustained. We can be a robust people because we are sustained by joy that is in Jesus. Joy that this passage says is inexpressible. It's, it's impossible to describe. It, there are not enough words. There are not enough variety of words to explain it. It is inexpressible and it is filled with glory. Do you know that joy? Joy that is not linked to your circumstances, but joy that is in spite of your circumstances. Because your joy is rooted in Jesus. Jesus himself is your joy. Not because he's doing what you wanted him to do, but because he is who he is. I want to urge you to tap into joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Because it will sustain you in the present when life is tough as an exile in this present stage. So do you have a fountain in your heart of joy that is in Jesus? Call out to him. Read this passage. Ask him for joy that is rooted in him. So because of these realities, Peter writes to these exiles in Asia Minor. And he writes to us, and we jump to verse 13, and he writes, Therefore, because of these realities... Preparing your minds for action. Get your mind. Get, get ready in your thinking. And being sober-minded, being clear in your thinking, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. On the day that Jesus comes back, there will be grace that's going to be brought to you. As obedient children to the Father in heaven, do not be conformed. We've been looking throughout the, the series of not compromising and not conforming. Here he says, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, of your former life. But as he, God, who has called you is holy, so be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. I was talking to one of you the other day about race. And there was just a feeling in this other person of hopelessness. Feeling like, are we ever going to make progress? They felt like hopelessness was just the feeling that they had. And there are days when the evil that we see and the evil that we experience, it threatens the very hope that we have in life. 
But verse 13 tells us where we're to fix our hope. It says we're to fix our hope, all of our hope, on the grace that will be ours, the grace that will be experienced, that will be revealed to us on the day that Jesus returns. You see, on that day, all sin, Satan, suffering, and death will finally be triumphed over. There will be justice that is eternal forever and ever. There will be no more pain. There will be no more tears. There will be no more sadness. There will be no more sickness. There will be no more racism. There will be no more violence against women. There will be no more abuse. It will be done with forever. But that hope and that day is still in the future. And it will only come in its full on the day that Jesus returns to take us to be with him forever. So brothers and sisters, our passage tells us to fix our hope, not on a political party, not on a movement, not on a person, but to fix our hope fully on the grace that will be yours and mine on the day that Jesus returns. Knowing that Revelation tells us that Jesus will stand up and he will declare, Behold, I make all things new. And we will be with him forever. And while we wait for that day to come, in the meantime, as God's elect exiles, as God's children, as God's chosen children, we're to live in such a way, as children, as exiles of God, that we do not compromise and we do not conform to the world around us. We don't conform while everyone's doing it. We don't compromise. We rather are to live as God's children, reflecting who God is. Our Father is Holy Father. Hallowed be your name. Our Father is holy. And so we're to be holy ones. We're to be those who set apart. We're not righteous and self-righteous and pious, but rather we have lives that are holy, that are set apart for God. That we don't give in to all the compromise and just do what the world does, but we live as those who are literally children of the holy God. We represent our dad on the planet. And finally, verse 17 to 19 says, And if you call on him as father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves. Your dad is the judge of the whole earth. So conduct yourselves with fear, with reverence throughout your time of exile, knowing that you were ransomed, you were bought from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. So in conclusion of our series, we have this passage of Scripture. Friends, we who call ourselves sons and daughters of God Most High, we to live in a certain way during this time that we are exiles. After Jesus' death and resurrection and before Jesus coming back in this age, we are to live as exiles with reverent fear, of who God is. 
We're to live our whole lives in a response to Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross for us. We're to live each day remembering that our lives were bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. That our lives have value because Jesus valued our lives enough to die for us. Friends, this is how we're to live. We're to live as though we've been given one precious life as a gift from God. And we're to live that life in holiness. So we're to be holy men. We're to be holy fathers. We're to be holy mothers and sisters. And we're to live holy lives because God our Father is holy. And because Jesus gave his life, he purchased our lives with his life. And so our lives are a gift from Jesus and they really matter. And so I want to urge you to live this one precious life that Jesus purchased for you with his own blood. To live it in holiness and godliness with no compromise. But to rather repent of any sin in your life. Because Jesus died so that you could be forgiven. And so that you could live your whole life. In response and love for Jesus that you could give your whole life back to him in loving service and worship to him friends I want to implore you as exiles of God in this present age to live devoted lives holy lives godly lives dealing with sin in your life live this way longing for the grace that is to come at the revelation of Jesus, knowing that God has an eternal inheritance kept in heaven for you. He's going to reward you for how you followed Jesus. Friends, I want to encourage you. This passage is worth going back to and chewing on and meditating on so that you get all the goodness out of it. I urge you to live as devoted exiles, chosen ones, children of God in this present age. And to think of those things and let those things shape every action and every response in your life. I pray that you do this in the mighty name of Jesus. Let me close by praying for us all. Lord Jesus, thank you for this remarkable passage of Scripture so full of truth and revelation. And I commit this passage to your people. I pray that we would chew on it, that we would meditate on it. That, Lord, the truths of this message and the truths of this word would explode in our hearts and would change the way that we live. I want to ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for being with us. I pray that you would take these words to heart. You would take this passage of scripture to heart and that you would change your life you would serve jesus you if you've already been doing that you'd keep serving jesus with all of your heart i encourage you with this in jesus name god bless you